0: What's happening in the world right now, coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. Former President Donald Trump said he received a letter regarding the January 6th federal investigation. Trump suggested a new indictment may be on the horizon. A U.S. soldier is likely in North Korean custody after an alleged border crossing. He was said to be visiting the demilitarized zone separating the two Koreas. The world's biggest cosmetic company coming under fire for using a bearded man to advertise lipstick. People are now comparing the company with Bud Light and calling for boycotts. Congressional Democrats say tax companies are sharing the sensitive tax data of Americans with big tech companies. And An email reportedly shows that Dr. Anthony Fauci knew that the Wuhan lab was conducting gain-of-function research. And despite retirement from the White House, he's still receiving taxpayer-funded security. Welcome to NTD News Today. Our top news, former President Trump said he received a letter informing him that he is the target of the investigation of the January 6th Capitol breach. The Sunday letter came from Special Counsel Jack Smith. It requests the former president report to a grand jury within four days. Trump wrote on his social media platform Truth Social that he could face arrest and indictment in connection with the January 6th probe. Trump called the letter horrifying news for our country. Trump is also facing two other indictments tied to his payments for a non-disclosure agreement and the handling of classified documents after leaving the White House. He called the cases witch hunts meant to interfere with elections. A U.S. national was allegedly held in custody by North Korea after crossing the border. Officials said the detainee is a U.S. serviceman. The United Nations command said in a tweet that the man was detained during an unauthorized visit to the joint security area. The UN command runs the joint security area, which sits within the heavily fortified demilitarized zone that separates North and South Korea. The command said it was working with Pyongyang to resolve the incident. The man is believed to be the only US citizen currently held by North Korea. US motivation for the border crossing is still unclear. Officials say they are waiting to confirm his identity. Cosmetic brand Maybelline is the latest company facing backlash over its ads. People are calling to boycott the company after it published a controversial video featuring a bearded man advertising makeup take a look.
1: Maybelline, the world's biggest cosmetic brand, is facing boycott calls. That's over its marketing partnership with a bearded makeup artist who was featured in an ad trying on lipstick. The ad was posted on Maybelline's Instagram account on July 12th to coincide with Amazon Prime Day. It shows a social media influencer with a bald head, bushy beard, and long fingernails promoting the brand's makeup. Here's part of the video. Here I am filming a makeup review. And baby, check out this color and shine. It's so comfortable and it will not budge or smudge for up to 16 hours. Let me know what you think and shop Maybelline Prime deals for 30% off right now. People online have been reacting to the ad, with many criticizing the company. Dr. Jordan Peterson wrote, Hey girls, you could look like a not very attractive bearded man. Sincerely, marketing geniuses at Maybelline. Lauren Chen, host of the conservative network Blaze TV, wrote, Another day, another disturbing makeup ad. One user wrote, Another company to boycott. Why would I want to buy lipstick from a company that uses a bearded man to promote it? Beard company Bud Light faced strong backlash and a huge drop in sales after publishing ads with influencer Dylan Mulvaney, a man who identifies as a woman. Various people are now comparing Maybelline's ad to Bud Light. Twitter account Libs of TikTok asked, should Maybelline get the Bud Light treatment? Referring to the boycott many Bud Light customers participated in. Another user wrote, Maybelline is to make up what Bud Light is to beer. Doomed. The latest industry figures show that Bud Light's sales drop worsened into July. Sales volumes of Bud Light plunged by over 23% in the week, ending on July 8th. Meanwhile, sales of Coors Light, Miller Light, and Modela Especial all increased by over 20% at least.
0: The House of Representatives is scheduled to vote on resolutions that would lift terrorism-related sanctions. It would end national emergencies declared by Presidents Bush and Obama that remain active. The resolutions relate to conflicts in the Congo, Libya, Yemen, Iraq, and Syria. Sponsors of these resolutions say the sanctions are no longer relevant. A congressman points out that sanctions on Libya are aimed at former Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi, but he's been dead for over a decade. He also says ending sanctions on Yemen would allow for humanitarian aid, but a special advisor to the Iran Action Group under the Trump administration says the resolutions would end sanctions on ISIS fundraisers, war criminals, and murderers of U.S. soldiers. He says it would also affect sanctions enacted during the Trump administration. He says it would allow dangerous people to be freed from sanctions and bank freely again or come to America. Vehicles are collecting more and more personal data, raising increasing data privacy concerns, especially with companies hungry to monetize that data. Cars today are like smartphones. They have numerous apps connected to the internet that collect large amounts of data. Most owners do not know the amount of personal data their vehicle collects and transmits, who collects it, and for what purpose. According to Privacy for Cars, a single modern car can have 60 onboard computers that collect 25 gigabits of data per hour. Companies are increasingly looking to monetize vehicle data. In 2021, Ford filed a patent for technology that will display ads inside people's cars. Hacking is another major privacy concern when it comes to car data. According to Privacy for Cars, data privacy and breaches have become the most common cybersecurity threat against automotive companies over the last decade. Congressional Democrats say three tax preparation companies shared sensitive personal information of millions of taxpayers with Meta and other big tech companies. A new report says tax prep companies, TaxAct, H&R Block, and TaxSlayer shared taxpayer data using computer code known as Pixels. Pixels is used across the internet to gather information on website visitors The report says tax prep companies shared extraordinarily sensitive personal and financial information with Meta. Collected data includes names, tax information, and details of dependents, among other things. Tax firms and big tech claim the shared data was anonymous, but the report points out that experts suggest the data could be used to identify individuals. During the investigation, Meta admitted that it used the collected data to target ads to taxpayers. As well as train the company's AI algorithms, Democratic lawmakers say the report reveals a shocking breach of taxpayer privacy that appeared to violate taxpayers' rights. TaxSlayer says the company says the report contains numerous false and misleading statements. The Biden administration is teaming up with Amazon, Google, Best Buy, and others to secure devices from cyber attacks. The White House introduced a plan today that allows Americans to identify devices that are better protected. A new certification and labeling program would raise the bar for security in smart devices. That includes refrigerators, microwaves, televisions, and thermostat systems. Retailers and device makers will apply a U.S. Cyber Mark logo to their devices. The program will be up and running in 2024. The FCC will seek public comment before rolling out the labeling program Last week, Microsoft and U.S. officials said Chinese state-linked hackers secretly accessed email accounts at around 25 organizations, including at least two U.S. government agencies. The absence of a single letter I has led to millions of sensitive Pentagon messages being leaked. Now, an ally of Russia has access to them. That ally is the African country Mali. The military's domain name for emails is .mli but it is often misspelled .ml. That's Molly's domain name. The leak includes sensitive information, which is unclassified. The Pentagon said emails not within the .mil domain are usually blocked, and the sender has to validate the recipient's email addresses. The Financial Times first reported the news. The outlet was informed of the lack of the leak by a Dutch entrepreneur who manages Molly's domain. They said they collected about 117,000 emails since January, and that's not all, saying the risk is real and that ad- adversaries can exploit it. Coming up, lawyers seeking to keep the Pentagon leak suspect out of jail before his trial, cite the case of former President Trump. A federal prosecutor wants federal control over New York City's troubled Rikers Island jail. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. New disclosures about Dr. Anthony Fauci President Biden's top COVID-19 advisor allegedly knew that the US-funded Chinese lab was conducting risky experiments, despite his previous denials and downplaying of the claim. Fauci's email in February 2020 referred to the Wuhan lab's gain-of-function experiments. He wrote there was a suspicion that the mutation was intentionally inserted. Fauci added that scientists in Wuhan University are known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments. The House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic obtained and released the letter. Fauci denied in a 2021 congressional hearing that the Wuhan lab's bat virus study was a gain-of-function one, adding that the U.S. didn't fund such research. Another revelation involves the taxpayer-funded security that Fauci is receiving, though he has retired last December. Files obtained by Fox News' Jesse Waters' prime time revealed that former White House chief medical advisor is still getting security services from the U.S. Marshals. During a February visit, the U.S. Marshals emailed the White House regarding Fauci's parking issues. In another email, the U.S. responded to three individuals over inappropriate communications about Fauci. A recently retired FBI special agent backed up recent IRS whistleblower claims in a transcribed interview yesterday. That's over allegations of interference and special treatment in a criminal tax probe into Hunter Biden. The interview was conducted behind closed doors before the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. Committee Chair James Comer issued a statement after the interview. The Congressman says, The Justice Department's treatment of the matter reveals a two-tiered system of justice. The former FBI agent says he was assigned to interview Hunter Biden in a criminal tax probe with IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley in December of 2020. But that the interview never happened because FBI headquarters allegedly notified the Biden administration, the Biden transition team, and Secret Service about the plan. Comer says it frustrated investigative efforts because those who didn't need to know about it found out the former agent has not yet been named. He told Congress that he and Shapley were not allowed to approach Hunter Biden's house and had to wait nearby until Hunter contacted them. Former FBI special agent told committee investigators it was the first time he had ever been told to wait outside for the subject of investigation to contact him. Chapley and other and another IRS whistleblower are set to testify before Congress on Wednesday. A transcript of the former FBI agent's testimony could be released later this week. Lawyers for the former Air National Guardsman accused of leaking Pentagon documents have asked the judge to reconsider the decision to keep him in jail as he waits trial, comparing him to former President Donald Trump. The lawyers cite the pretrial release of former President Donald Trump and others charged in similar high-profile cases involving classified documents. Dr. Scherer was arrested in April at a home in Southern Massachusetts following a Department of Justice probe into a leak of highly classified materials. He has remained jailed since his arrest. He was indicted in June on six felony counts, each carrying a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. The 21-year-old has pleaded not guilty. Lawyers for Teixeira argue that their client is entitled to pretrial release under the Bail Reform Act. Officials say, among the documents, Teixeira allegedly leaked was highly classified information regarding Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as well as information on China and Israel. A federal prosecutor wants to take over New York City's troubled Rikert City's Island Jail from the city. He says the jail has been in a crisis for years and through the administrations of several New York City mayors. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams wants federal control of the jail, and the court appointed outside authority to manage it. He said he's waited too long for the city to improve the jail. New York City Mayor Adams has resisted the idea. A spokesperson said the city had a positive impact in some areas that were noted by a federal monitor. But a recent report cited mold and vermin issues. Violence and death at the jail are also still a problem. 19 people died at the jail last year, and six people have died there so far this year. A tugboat near the O'Neill Bridge in Florence, Alabama, has sunk in the Tennessee River, releasing thousands of gallons of diesel into the river water. The Florence Police Department reported that approximately three to five thousand gallons of diesel fuel were spilled because of the incident. On Sunday, beaches were closed and people were advised to avoid the water after fuel began washing up on the beaches surrounding McFarland Park. Local authorities have started an extensive cleanup operation to minimize the environmental damage. The exact cause of the boats sinking remains under investigation. The recent train derailment in Pennsylvania highlights the need for rail infrastructure improvement. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act is meant to improve freight railways and other parts of U.S. infrastructure. To learn more about how, I spoke with Javier Palomares, CEO of the U.S. Hispanic Business Council and proponent of the act. Javier Palomares, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me, Chris.
0: We have yet another train derailment, one of many so far this year. What does this say about our infrastructure?
2: Well, you know, I think the Pennsylvania derailment uh, is yet another example uh, of our need to invest in our infrastructure. You know, um, the American Society of uh, Civil Engineers uh, ranked our infrastructure as uh, having a a C minus. That means that we rank roughly number 13 globally when compared to all other nations. Uh, and you know, as the richest nation in the world, uh, that's simply unacceptable. Uh, right now, we average about 1,000 derailments a year. That's roughly three a day. And uh, surely we can be doing better than that.
0: Now, tell us about the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act impact on freight railways. We know you're a proponent of the act.
2: Absolutely. The, the bipartisan infrastructure law, which was co-authored by uh, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, and is being overseen by Mitch Landrieu, the former mayor of New Orleans, is exactly what we need right now. Uh, the bill invests uh, $66 billion in uh, in rail improvements and railway improvements. Uh, it will relieve bottlenecks and improve connectivity uh, between the railways. It it will fund alternative fuel development uh, and lower emissions for our locomotives, and uh, and and it'll improve the safety and and the quality of life for communities where these railways and these railroads are, uh, are are operating. And what else will the act do? Well, I, you know, it, it's going to do a variety of things. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a historic investment in America's infrastructure, uh, the biggest we've ever seen in our history. It's over a, a trillion dollars. And, um, you know, it's going to improve our roads, our railways, uh, our bridges, our towers, our tunnels, uh, our connectivity, infrastructure. Uh, investments throughout uh, the the united states and um, it'll also create you know contracting opportunities for small and minority and veteran owned businesses and and that i i couldn't be happier uh, it is a once in a generation investment in the infrastructure uh, of our nation and you know we couldn't be happier we were very very strong uh, supporters uh, of the bill and are happy to see it uh, begin to start, you know, getting implemented throughout the United States.
0: And Javier, there's a lot of money on the line. How can we assure it's, ensure it's spent wisely and where it's needed most?
2: Well, you know, I think uh, that's one of the things that I think the Biden administration has been very, very smart uh, in managing. Uh, first and foremost, they put uh, former uh, New Orleans uh, Mayor uh, Mitch Landrieu in charge of the implementation of the wide variety of projects that are included within the infrastructure uh, challenge. Uh, He was a mayor that uh, saw to it that both public and private sector were working together to get it done for the people of New Orleans and Louisiana. And uh, I'm delighted uh, to support Mitch Landrieu's work. I think he is exactly what we need. And he will, I think, ensure that we take a bipartisan approach, to solving these critical issues. And I think Mitch Landrew is exactly the quarterback we need uh, to implement the projects and make sure that we're on budget and that we're on time and in the communities where it's needed the most.
0: Javier Palomares, founder and CEO of the U.S. Hispanic Business Council, thank you.
2: Thanks for having me. Have a great day.
0: Ford is slashing prices of up to $10,000 for some of its electric vehicles. To tell us more about it, let's
3: bring in NTD businesses, Don Ma. Don, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Chris. Um, so yeah, Ford announced uh, significant price cuts for all versions of its electric F-150 Lightning pickup truck. Um, the cheapest version of the Lightning uh, will start at
0: $50,000. That's still more expensive than the price of the truck when it first came out though, right?
3: Yeah, Ford actually hiked prices on its F-150 four times before this. The truck started at uh, $40,000 and it went as high as 60000 in March of this year. So why is Ford cutting prices now? Um, you know, I think it could be due to um, increased plant capacity and the falling cost of raw materials for batteries. But you know, in- instead of me telling you, I actually talked to someone who spoke to Ford. So let's get her firsthand information. Um, here's automotive expert Lauren Fix. So Lauren, Ford slashing prices on its F-150 Lightning trucks, you know, I mean, are they doing this out of the kindness of their heart? Are they just being considerate <laughs> to the consumer? Um, you know, are they making these uh, trucks more affordable because of Tesla, um, price wars? I mean, just tell us wh- what is happening here.
4: Well, I'm actually at a Ford event now, so I spoke with a couple of internals to get some real information. You know, you can look at it from two perspectives. You can say, oh, they're not selling them, so they're doing a price cut, and they're trying to compete with Tesla, so they're going to have a price cut. That's one perspective. Ford's saying, and this is from their words, they're building 150,000 of these Ford Lightning trucks this year, um, and there's some information that goes with that. Uh, Ford also says that they're scaling production, so they're lowering costs. So now let's take a step back and look at the facts. Ford just took $9.2 billion of your tax dollars to build a battery plant in Detroit. Now that loan has to be paid back at some point, and Ford hopes that they're going to do it based on electric car sales. Now let's take a look at real electric car sales. I have friends that own dealership groups in Michigan, and right now they have what they call turns. How often the car sits on the lot, when that vehicle sells. So how many turns do you have? A good turn is like 15 days. So a car sits there no longer than 15 days, it's sold. Right now, the EVs that are in Michigan, this is just from yesterday, there's a 92-day turn. 92 days, that's three months. So there's something called floor planning. When vehicles come in, they don't pay for the vehicle up front, they pay for the interest on that, and that is financed. And when that vehicle's sold, they pay it off, and the usual car transaction. So if that vehicle stays for three months, 92 days, that means every single month that vehicle sits, it's costing the dealer money. Now, the dealer is a franchise. And whether you like dealers or not, the manufacturers are pushing these out, but they're not selling. So right now, every dealer in Michigan has between two and five Lightnings and the Mach-E, which is their SUV. And it's not just Ford. It's General Motors. It's every single electric car are not selling.
3: So it seems like price is not the biggest obstacle here. Ford is slashing prices, but it seems like consumers have other concerns.
4: Right. And think about this. If you're, we to say for average, you're cutting close to $10,000 off the car. You get a $7,500 tax credit from the federal government and your state might offer $2,500 and maybe your company offers $1,000 depending upon who you work for. There's a lot of different ways to save money. You could save up to $20,000 on a truck that's $80,000 still getting you a $60,000 truck, uh, but you're still looking at a lot of money. And And people are looking at that plus insurance, plus the economy. I think they're taking a second look at this may not work for me. You can buy all kinds of power walls. Ford offers one, Tesla offers one, you can put in your home. You always have charging at home, but that doesn't work if you're actually gonna be driving places and it limits your freedom. And I think people are starting to see that. Have consumers decided, this doesn't work for me. Every time I go to a charging station, which I just talked to someone who was in Northern Michigan who told me they had uh, a Ford Lightning truck that they were testing. They got there, there were four stations. Two of them were working, one had a Hummer in it and it was gonna be there for a long time because it's a very large battery. And they sat there and they charged for four hours just to get them to their destination, which didn't have a charger or they had one that was broken. So these are problems that consumers get frustrated. It'd be like you pulling into a gas station and there's no fuel or they're not pumping today. You you get aggravated, but there's other gas stations. And in case of charging stations, there's a lot of limitations. And I think that's what's making customers think twice about buying one.
3: Well, all right. Seems like a lot of hurdles facing the EV market. Um, but thank you so much today, Laura. Pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Coming up, Tijuana is one
0: of Mexico's driest regions. Many of the city's 2 million inhabitants endure frequent water cuts, sometimes lasting more than 36 hours. And Mexico is pushing back against the floating barrier plan on the Rio Grande River, citing potential treaty violations. More shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back, everyone. The Coast Guard seized more than five tons of illegal drugs worth nearly $160 million. Crews in San Diego offloaded the narcotics on Monday. The haul included more than 11,000 pounds of cocaine and 5,500 pounds of marijuana. Coast Guard crews from three ships seized the drugs in the Eastern Pacific from May to July. It's part of their efforts to combat transnational organized crime and disrupt drug flow to the U.S. Several other agencies helped out, including Customs and Border Protection, the FBI, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The Coast Guard says the Mexican Navy also assisted. Mexico is pushing back against the floating barrier plan on the Rio Grande River, citing potential treaty violations. The country's top diplomat contacted the U.S. to address those concerns. According to her, the treaties say the river must remain unobstructed, and if the buoys impede the water flow, it would be a violation. Mexico has already requested the removal of the barriers. Texas began rolling out the floating barrier on the Rio Grande in early July. It's part of Governor Abbott's plan to deter illegal border crossings, which have reached record levels in the past two years. Migrant advocates have voiced concerns about drowning risks from the buoys, and environmentalists question the impact on the river. Tijuana is one of Mexico's fastest-growing cities, and it's also in one of the country's driest regions. Many of the city's two million inhabitants endure frequent water cuts and don't know how long their taps will run dry. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the latest on the crisis.
5: Tijuana, Mexico is among the last cities downstream from the shrinking Colorado River. The city is facing a water crisis driven by aging, inefficient infrastructure and government incompetence. Entire neighborhoods remain unconnected to the city's water pipes and rely on trucks to supply their water.
1: We can't cope with demand because we need to cover our regular route and also deliver water to those who normally have water but are affected by cuts. Some people here even get mad because there are areas where we can't truck in water because there's too much demand. So this is a big issue here in Tijuana.
5: In April, more than half the city went without water while the state water utility repaired leaks in a primary main. For some, the shutoff lasted days longer than the official 36-hour estimate.
1: Very often, there are water cuts, and they can last up to two or three weeks. Citizens are not even informed that cuts are coming. They say the cuts are done to repair pipes, but they leave people without water for very long periods of time.
5: For years, federal, state and city officials have promised to diversify Tijuana's water supply by desalinating ocean water and treating wastewater. But the city has little to show for it.
1: The state of Baja California, due to various reasons, is a place where investment in water infrastructure has been neglected for a very long time.
5: Hydrologists and policy experts emphasize that Tijuana and Baja California will need to secure other water sources, and soon. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: The latest macroeconomic data point to deflation in China, according to experts. For analysis, I spoke with Antonio Gricefo, China economic analyst and author of Beyond the Belt and Road, China's Global Economic Expansion. Antonio Graceffo, thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning, Chris. Antonio, what's the overall state of the Chinese economy right now?
6: Well, the Chinese economy is slowing. We see factory activity, factory output is slowing down, exports are slowing. Uh, we see growing youth unemployment. So the general trend is toward slowing.
0: And why is that? What's what's driving that?
6: There's a number of factors that are driving that. One of the issues is that the uh, cost of raw materials is increasing, which is making it more difficult for China to sell their products. Um, so inside of China, we have what we call um, a gate price, which means the price of the goods when they're leaving the factory and they're going to the producers. And right now, the retail prices in China are pretty much flat. So we're going to reach a point where it may actually become um, not viable for Chinese factories to continue manufacturing.
0: And what about COVID? How does that factor into this?
6: Uh, well, COVID basically during the you know COVID, uh, China kept COVID lockdowns much longer than other countries, and as a result, severely damaged their economy. A lot of foreign companies began re-resourcing, uh, reshoring, shifting their supply lines out of China. Um, they saw that the risk of of um, manufacturing in China was greater. So now they've shifted production out of China, and, and they're not going to shift it back.
0: What about the tensions between the U.S., the EU, and China? Um, how does that factor in?
6: Well, that's playing a role as well. Um, I think the Ukraine war, uh, believe it or not, accelerated that situation because the, the Ukraine war put the United States back in a position of, of leadership um, among its allies, among the EU and so forth. So now we have all those countries agreeing to the, uh, the chip bans, for example, which are negatively affecting Chinese manufacturing. The G7 summit, where all the, uh, the leading economies of the world had a, had a discussion about um, de-risking by uh, shifting their new investment uh, to other countries other than China.
0: And How is this overall state of the Chinese economy affecting the Chinese people?
6: Well, we see uh, youth youth unemployment is at at a record high. Um, We uh, know that a lot of factory workers are either not finding work, or when they find work, they're employed for fewer hours than what they were employed before. So when we look at average earnings by um, factory workers, that's including their overtime hours, you know, so they might be working very long days and maybe six days a week or something like that, or 28 days a month. But now those people getting those jobs are working fewer hours per day, fewer days per month. Um, In some cases, uh, earnings are down, say, 30 percent. You know, the wages, in other words, of the the workers are down 30 percent. And a lot of workers are having trouble finding jobs.
0: Now, in a recent article, you mentioned how the economic challenges China's facing could be a good thing for the United States. Tell us about that.
6: So number one is that uh, if uh, American companies continue in the current trend, which is we're shifting our production out of China— And some of it's actually being reshored in the United States. A lot of it's going to Mexico now. Mexico has now increased in its importance as one of our our leading trading partners. Um, It's also shifting to other uh, U.S. allies in Southeast Asia. So politically, it's going to be a big benefit there that we'll have closer economic ties with these countries, which hopefully will pull them in on uh, political issues as well. Um, As factory gate prices or as retail prices in China remain flat, it is possible that Chinese imports may become cheaper in the United States, and also as the currency, uh, Chinese currency is losing value. So there uh, the imports may become cheaper here, so that may benefit the average consumer in the United States.
0: Antonio Graceffo, China economic analyst, thank you. Thank you, sir. Still to come, oil wrestling endures in northwestern Turkey. Competitors grapple at an annual festival. And a new cable car allows visitors to cross between Switzerland and Italy. The ride crosses by one of the most famous peaks in the Alps. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. Welcome back, everyone. Oil wrestling is one of the world's oldest sports, and it's thriving in northwestern Turkey. Last weekend, wrestlers glistening with olive oil grappled for hours at a historic championship tournament. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the competition.
5: Welcome to the 662nd Kirpinar Oil Wrestling Tournament. These two competitors are doused in oil before wrestling in a grassy field. Accompanied by the sound of flutes and drums, the object of the game is to pin your opponent. I wrestled in these grounds too. I competed in
1: the wrestling here for 16 years. This style of wrestling is in our sporting heritage, so we come here every year.
5: For spectators, there's something special about this tournament.
1: I have been attending for five years. Kirk Pinar is different for me. We go to local wrestling events, but here is different. You can hear the bones in this wrestling, in a manner of speaking.
5: Oil wrestling is considered one of the world's oldest sports, reportedly dating back to the 14th century. And this event is the country's most prestigious of its kind.
1: We are talking about a tradition that is over 660 years old. To continue this, to be the mayor of these events is a great honor. This year, of course, is a special year. It is the centennial of the founding of the Turkish Republic. The Republic, founded by Mustafa Kemal Atatur, it is the
5: 662nd year of Kirkpinar. The annual festival is also part of UNESCO's list of intangible cultural heritage of humanity. Kirkpinar oil wrestling, which is an ancestral sport,
1: is a traditional sport. In a historical context, it takes place in our history as an entertainment and a sport performed at weddings, and then it becomes traditional.
5: This year, Yusuf khan won a championship title.
1: As soon as I arrived at Edern, I felt that I would get the title belt when I walked in the streets, but I did not speak of it. I thought I will get that belt and walk on these streets. It was fate.
5: Now it's time to start training during the offseason when champions are made. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: A new cable car allows visitors to cross between Switzerland and Italy near the Matterhorn. The new service provides access to one of the most famous alpine peaks. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details on the new mountain transportation system. Enjoy
4: the, ride
5: with the, the new Matterhorn Glacier Ride 2 is officially open. At nearly 13,000 feet above sea level, the cable car connects the Klein Matterhorn Mountain Station with the Testa Grigia Valley.
1: We can say that this cable car is the first of its kind, connecting the two countries without skiing. This is another example of developing our place, and also for Zermatt, and for making ourselves known
3: around the world.
5: It allows visitors to cross between Switzerland and Italy near the famous Matterhorn mountain. Cars take about four minutes to travel the one mile between the countries. You can
1: admire a wonderful panorama. You can see the three faces of the Matterhorn, the south, the east, and the north. So I think it's a unique experience. We have to start thinking that this is not simply a cable car ride, but an experience.
5: The cable car can transport up to 1,300 passengers hourly, and it's a hit with tourists. We come from the Netherlands, and it's, it's just amazing that you can walk in the in summertime in the snow. At this height so it's uh, it's amazing great experience i took all the transportation up here and it was just a seamless amazing experience got to see all the views coming up and it was truly just breathtaking and will remember it for the rest of my life the two resorts are now connected for 11 months a year but not everyone thinks it's such a great idea the italian alpine club is concerned about the development's environmental impact
4: This
1: type of construction creates major problems for the mountain environment because they carry many people.
6: The impact of many
1: people in a fragile and delicate environment such as that of the mountain certainly has a
5: problematic impact on it. A round trip on the cable car costs $270 through the end of August. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: After the break, an Arizona couple is sending their DNA to orbit indefinitely around the sun along with the ashes, or DNA, of notable people. Details to come on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Jerry and Elizabeth Paulus are sending their DNA into space in the upcoming Enterprise mission being launched by Celestis, a space burial company based out of Houston, Texas.
7: Let's take a look. Would you consider sending your DNA into space? This Arizona couple would.
3: We love road trips, right? So I guess it would be the ultimate road trip.
7: Jerry and Elizabeth Paulus are sending their DNA into orbit in the upcoming Enterprise mission launched by Celestis, a company that offers a rather unusual service, space burials. Wow. Space burials are not a new concept, but for the first time ever, The Celestis Enterprise flight will travel into deep space and orbit around the sun indefinitely.
6: It's going to be the first and only uh, repository of our civilization out in the universe. No one's done that before. We're going to have 196 capsules of cremated remains of people who have passed away, or DNA of people who are still living, but that repository is going to be 330 million kilometers out into space for the first time in history. The
7: flight will carry the ashes or DNA of notable individuals such as Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and cast members like James Doohan and
6: Nichelle Nichols. We've got a hair follicle from uh, George Washington, Uh, President uh, uh, Dwight Eisenhower and President John F. Kennedy are all on board that flight as well.
7: While some families are using the service to honor their deceased loved ones in a unique way, the Paulises are participating as a living couple.
4: We
3: all want to be immortal in some way and this was an opportunity for us to be able to do something that no one else has done, to go where no one else has gone before. Our DNA will go into deep space, it will be the furthest human genome from the planet.
0: A pod of pilot whales has died after a mass stranding on a Scottish island. A rescue organization says only 15 of the 55 whales were still alive when they were found Sunday morning. They wash ashore by the village of North Tolsta on the Isle of Lewis. One of the whales was successfully released back into the ocean. The rest were euthanized because it was unsafe to refloat them. Scientists say whales can only survive about six hours on land because they lose the ability to support their own weight out of water. The rescue organization says pilot whales have strong social and emotional bonds with one another. This entire pod was likely stranded because one was in trouble and the rest followed. On this episode of Strong Mind and Body, we look at the top 10 superfoods as recommended by nutritionists. Here's Gina Marie.
8: Superfoods are rich in antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, and other nutrients. They offer numerous health benefits for the human body. This includes strengthening the immune system and helping to prevent disease. Amy Fisher is a registered dietitian from the United States. On Good Housekeeping's website, she recently shared her list of the top 10 superfoods. Let's take a look, starting with number one, fermented foods. Fermented foods are rich in various live and active cultures. These promote the growth of beneficial bacteria in the gut. This helps to maintain gut health. Consuming fermented foods also helps to maintain weight, reduce the risk of diabetes, cancer, and cardiovascular diseases. Number two, cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous vegetables are a rich source of antioxidants and vitamins, including carotenoids, polyphenols, vitamin C, and folate. Studies show that cruciferous vegetable intake is inversely associated with cancer risk, including pancreatic, lung, and breast cancer. Number 3. Ginger and Turmeric Ginger and turmeric are widely used as a tea, spices, dietary supplements, and natural medicines. This is due to their anti-inflammatory and immune-strengthening properties. Number 4. Berries Berries are a natural source of phytochemicals with potent antioxidant activity. They are rich in polyphenols, which have both antioxidant and antibacterial properties. This can protect against damage caused by free radicals. Number 5. Legumes Legumes are a rich source of bioactive compounds, as well as various minerals and vitamins that are beneficial to human health. Studies have found that legumes contain a high amount of resistant starch. This can help to regulate blood glucose and blood pressure and promote healthy gut microbiota. Common legumes include peas, chickpeas, soybeans, kidney beans, lentils, and black beans. Number 6. Hemp Seeds The hemp plant's seeds can be eaten or used to make oil after removing the outer shell. Hemp seeds have excellent nutritional value. They are rich in essential fatty acids and other polyunsaturated fatty acids required by the human body. Hemp seeds have nearly as much protein as soybeans and are rich in vitamin E and minerals such as potassium, phosphorus, sodium, magnesium, calcium, sulfur, zinc, and iron. In addition, hemp seeds contain high concentrations of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, which benefit cardiovascular health. Number seven, coffee. Coffee is one of the most popular beverages worldwide. Studies show that drinking coffee reduces the risk of developing Parkinson's disease, type 2 diabetes, head and neck cancer, colorectal cancer, breast cancer, and liver cancer. Number eight, pomegranate. Pomegranate is an antioxidant food rich in flavonoids, anthocyanins, tannins, and alkaloids. Pomegranate juice has more potent antioxidant potential than red wine or green tea. Pomegranate can prevent and treat cancer, cardiovascular disease, rheumatoid arthritis, and osteoarthritis. It is also beneficial to the reproductive system and can promote wound healing. Number 9, dark chocolate. Chocolate contains healthful nutrients for the heart, such as flavonoids, polyphenols, and steric acid, which can help reduce inflammation and increase good cholesterol. Number 10, artichoke. Artichoke is a common ingredient in the Mediterranean diet. Artichoke extract supplementation can significantly reduce total cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, and triglycerides. It's important to note that some superfoods may interfere with medications and treatments for individuals with chronic diseases. It is essential to consult with a doctor or nutritionist before incorporating them into your diet.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers.